You wake up on a Sunday morning, you are talking about ESCOM, you're talking about electricity, you're talking about electric cars after thinking you've heard, uh, you know, fascinating things, and then you guys come on, and you just share new information, and you're like, what? I didn't even know this was there. See now, we are all better people for that. 11 minutes after 9, it's time for me to make Gavin Gray very jealous. On ktalk.co.za, on the app, on DSTV channel 885, and across the city on 567 AM. 567 AM. Gavin Gray, as usual, joins you once again all the way from the UK, giving you the latest happening out there. Gavin, a very good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us. Good morning, Abs. Yes, a happy Sunday morning to you. Gavin, um, Many of us were asking the question when we saw the visuals when it comes to the recent earthquakes and, you know, you talk of Turkey. But the collapse of the buildings had many people wondering, how? How was this happening? And I believe that there's some investigations going on there. There are indeed, yes. So, first of all, the death toll in Turkey and Syria has now gone up over 50,000. Um, and as you said, many questions wondering, yes, it was a big earthquake, 7.8. But um, why were so many, why were so many in accommodation that quite simply collapsed when it was supposed to be either earthquake proof or much stronger? And now we learn from the justice minister that uh, 600 people are being investigated in Turkey and 184 suspects, including construction contractors and also property owners, have already been arrested. Now, it's long been said in Turkey there is endemic corruption, and frankly, government policies uh, allowed many new buildings to be put up that just weren't safe. And then there was a lack of inspection as well, and some have accused the government of turning a blind eye to what was going on, particularly the corruption. The corruption for those getting planning permission, the corruption within the construction market in Turkey, including in those earthquake-prone regions. This wasn't a surprise, this earthquake. This was a region that was prone to earthquakes, and yet... The destruction we see is pretty total in some areas. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, earthquakes, there's not much you can do about them in terms of uh, the fact that they happen. But you can build, design, construct things that are a lot more earthquake proof. And quite plainly, that has not happened. And with elections on the horizon, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan is in a bit of trouble because his future is on the line after 20 years in power his pleas for national unity have largely gone unheard. Uh, and uh, he's obviously uh, deciding that the best form, perhaps, of defense here is to start attacking, attacking the uh, construction industry, um, attacking some of those that he deems could be responsible for what's gone on. Um, but these are very difficult times in Turkey and none more so difficult than those living in the uh, awful areas between Syria and Turkey on the border that have had these terrible earthquakes. And, Gavin, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Is it a done deal already? I mean, we're still talking about Brexit even now. We are talking about Brexit, and we're also still talking about the uh, Northern Ireland deal. And uh, the reason is because we hear that a deal is being renegotiated and is about to be unveiled. But there again, we were kind of saying something similar last weekend. Uh, but this weekend, the newspapers are pretty much full of it here on a Sunday morning. Uh, and the prime minister indeed has given an interview to a couple of uh, uh, more favorable newspapers to his political party. And he's saying he's doing everything he can this weekend to secure this new Brexit deal. He wants to get the job done. 
uh, uh, but he says no agreement has yet been made. But a further hint from the Irish Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, saying the deal over trade between Great Britain, that's the mainland of the UK, England, Wales, Scotland, that the deal between that and Northern Ireland was inching towards a conclusion, was his comment. Um, and it could be coming within days. Apparently, there was due to be a, uh, a sort of uh, publicized meeting between King Charles and uh, senior officials within the European Union uh, and the European Commission. That did not happen. Uh, but apparently, this is edging closer and closer and closer to a deal. So what's the problem? Well, Boris Johnson, our then prime minister, agreed that when we left the EU, um, basically there would be some checks that would go on between the mainland of the UK and Northern Ireland. And that is because they want to avoid a land border between Northern Ireland, part of the UK, and Ireland, part of the EU. But of course, the EU very protective of its borders. Uh, and uh, wants checks on goods to make sure that they aren't going to sort of sneak in, if you like, through the back door through Northern Ireland. So we do agree a deal is close in sight, perhaps with two channels for goods going into Northern Ireland. A red channel, you know, perhaps these need to be inspected because they are going on to the EU and a green channel for goods that are going to Northern Ireland and staying in Northern Ireland. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? But I'm afraid politics in Northern Ireland has never been simple. The threat of violence, I'm afraid, has never been far away. So this is very important stuff. And moving to Germany, uh, Gavin, there were talks that the German government is doing everything it can to stop it from happening. But it seems that uh, just over 2,000 jobs may be lost in Germany. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting because here in the UK, we talked about we, we are at the moment of which technically is two negative readings in the uh, economy in uh, two consecutive quarters of the year. We've avoided that much to everyone's surprise, but it could still happen, of course, later this year. Um, but talks about how much more resilient uh, the EU economies have been. Well, not anymore, because one of the sort of one of the... the, the the, the, the very flags of German the economy is a huge chemical company called uh, BASF, uh, and they do lots of different things, but including uh, the world's largest chemical group, one of the mainstays of German industry, um, and it's been uh, running for almost 160 years and making everything from uh, products for fertilizers to plastics to cars and pharmaceuticals. Well, it's announced that it's going to be cutting 2,600 jobs saying that the uh, world's largest economy now, or rather Europe's largest economy, is bracing for a recession triggered by the energy crisis. Quite simply, the cost of fuel to do the, to make the chemicals that BASF specializes in has rocketed, uh, and that has caused costs all down to rocket as well. And it's really affected Germany because Germany was so reliant on gas from Russia under a deal struck by the then Premier or the then Chancellor Angela Merkel. And this has left Germany and in particular their manufacturing, which relies so heavily on energy, has left it very, very frail. And um, when people say, oh, well, you know, the UK in recession, the poor man of Europe, well, I think that is uh, something that is going to have to be reviewed over the coming days or weeks. It isn't something I say with any joy, but I think the reality is that uh, right across Europe, that harsh winter that we've had, plus these problems about gas coming from Russia and the war in Ukraine, have all come home to roost.
And you talk of an off-duty police officer who was shot multiple times and, uh, you know, has suffered life-changing injuries. Yes, and I'm afraid this in Northern Ireland. I talked about how, of course, the politics in Northern Ireland is very fragile at the moment. There is no uh, assembly there. There's no sort of governing body there. And that is because, quite simply, the two sides can't agree. Uh, And uh, I'm afraid the fragility of it all exposed further this week when one of the most senior police officers who was off duty in Northern Ireland was shot multiple times in front of his young son at a sports complex, having just coached under 15s football. Uh, Now, in total, six men have been arrested. The most recent, a 71-year-old under the Terrorism Act. Why would all this happen to an off-duty policeman? Well, quite simply, there are still a hardcore of dissident Republicans who opposed the peace agreement back in 1998, who have still been operating, they've still got access to guns, sadly, and they are still determined to uh, wreak havoc, to get uh, Northern Ireland to join uh, Southern Ireland, to form one united country. In other words, uh, those uh, uh, Republicans want to see um, that territory split as it is rejoined uh, and uh, I'm afraid they are determined to go to what would appear to any lengths to see it. Now interestingly though Abs, a number of protests held in Northern Ireland yesterday saying we do not want to go back to the days of paramilitary violence, we do not want to go back to the days of terrorism uh, and let's get this power sharing assembly back in government. If you just tuned in on the conversation 21 minutes after 9 you're listening to the voice of Gavin Gray joining us all the way uh, from London in the UK giving us the latest what's what's happening out there on 02144605 would still love to hear from you your thoughts as we continue with this conversation uh, Gav you may be anywhere around the world but it doesn't mean you can use social media in any way you like no indeed not and people have to be uh, rather careful about that so of course what we're referring to is uh, there is this uh, uh, presidential election in Nigeria. The vote counting is underway. It's said to be the closest counting, uh, closest election for many, many years. Military rule that ended in 1999. Why does that link into Europe? Well, because uh, a, a controversial leader of a Nigerian secessionist movement has been arrested in Finland, in his home in Finland. Simon Ekpa is his name, and he used social media, it's being alleged, to incite violence back in Nigeria. He leads a faction with the indigenous people of Biafra, and that is fighting for a breakaway state in southeastern Nigeria. Now, the allegations are that uh, basically he is using Finland and social media as a platform to uh, try and incite violence. Uh, and the area, indeed, around what was called a Biafra, of course, has seen some very unpleasant, deadly attacks on candidates in the election. And he had actually, Simon Epka, had urged people to boycott this election. He's a Finnish citizen of Nigerian origin. He denies any links to the killings, any violence in the region, and is actually pointing the finger at the Nigerian government for that violence and those killings. And now he has been released after being questioned, um, but uh, Finnish police said they were investigating a possible money collection offence, as well as other possible offences, and say the investigations are at an early stage. Uh, it's interesting, though, that Nigeria's government has been previously asking several times for Finland to take action against Mr. Ekpa, 
Um, and uh, I'm afraid this instability in Nigeria continues to breed problems. We'll see what the results of the election are. Uh, maybe later on today or tomorrow. But um, uh, the idea, of course, that you can use another country, as you say, to uh, to use social media and uh, and raise issues without problems, well, that might go. But just to be clear, he denies any incitement to violence that the Nigerian government very clearly pointing the finger at him. And it seems that, uh, Gev, I might need to mail you or send you some apples and some potatoes. (laughs) Are you running out of fruit and vegetables? Yeah, well, we were very spoiled for choice, of course, uh, in South Africa. Such marvelous fresh fruit. And normally we do, but at this time of year, of course, it's the Northern Hemisphere winter, and therefore we are not growing tomatoes in the UK. Uh, Now, we have been more growing more and more tomatoes and more of them under glass but i go back to the fuel crisis and uh, the invasion of ukraine by russia pushing up fuel crisis so british farmers have not really been growing very much under glass uh, this winter because the cost of fuel makes it quite simply unviable well i'm afraid to say we've been relying on spain and north africa principally morocco for tomatoes cucumbers raspberries things like that Well, guess what? I'm afraid Spain and North Africa has had some bad weather, some very late sort of storms, much cooler weather, heavy rain, uh, and that has wiped out some crops. And so what happens is now it would appear we are extremely short of uh, tomatoes, aubergines, cucumbers, peppers, those sorts of things, um, because they aren't coming over from Morocco. Now, uh, we aren't the only people to be suffering with this, but it is particularly bad in the UK because the lack of growing under glass this winter has really hit this even harder. And now there's talk, incidentally, Abs, of us not really seeing many tomatoes, possibly until May. Uh, And indeed, my own thing, I've been to a couple of supermarkets lately, no tomatoes. So anyway, you'll be pleased to know I'm opening up the jars of sun-dried tomatoes <laughs> in oil. Good to hear at least. Um, you know, moving on to a, a serious conversation and I think it's it's about time, but there's a talk of a development of a new app that's designed to reduce online viewing of child sexual abuse. Yes, uh, and I'm afraid it comes at a time when the uh, various charities are reporting a big increase of people having possession of or sharing indecent images of children. So that is obviously a very stark statistic. And uh, indeed, it was said in the uh, UK, it was nearly 31,000 offences for the last year that they've got figures for. It is an extraordinary figure. Um, And uh, what we are now seeing is this uh, a new app that's been designed to reduce online viewing. So what they've effectively got is that you would install this um, app on phones and the app identifies and blocks harmful images and videos from being displayed. In a sense, it's, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? I mean, because you get a lot of that on the internet when you're home computer uh, and all the time they're trying to upgrade security. So this app would seem to be a very good idea. And the EU has given uh, the researchers, the developers, um, uh, 1.8 million pounds, so uh, roughly 30 million South African rand to try and develop this app using this technology uh, in order to basically prevent it. Now, the interesting thing is, how are they going to try and test it out? Well, it's going to be tested with volunteers who will have the app loaded on their phone 
and its volunteers who have in the past sought help because they're drawn to illegal images and they want to ensure they cannot act on their desire. So that's the theory. Anyway, uh, let's see if this app gets going and let's see if it does have the desired effect. From the UK without fruit and veggies, and now France is uh, facing a drought restriction. Yes, France and indeed Italy. I mean, think of Venice, you think of the canals, don't you, and the gondolas going along. Mm -hmm. Well, believe it or not, many of the canals in Venice are dry. The gondolas are not out and about. And yet this, I repeat, is our winter coming into our spring when it's normally wet. But um, France facing drought restrictions, the driest winter there for more than 60 years. With no significant rainfall, the country is now in a state of alert. And indeed, there's a meeting tomorrow to discuss the situation territory by territory. Last year, France had the hottest year on record. And records were broken elsewhere in Europe, too, in the UK, Spain, and Italy. Uh, and back to Italy now, where the Italian Alps have snowfall that's decreased by half on the previous years. Water levels in the famous Po, the River Po, the Po Basin of Italy's largest river, river levels are 61% below normal, so less than half. I mean, these are extraordinary figures, and I'm afraid things seem to get worse the more you look at them. Now, the only uh, slight positive, not if you're trying to go skiing, though, is that rain is expected to return to southern France on Wednesday, uh, and uh, they're saying, though, really, if it's not sustained, then replenishment of France's groundwater reserves is going to be hit, and that could be really quite severe for uh, how... France has to react to the storage of water and managing to maintain water and managing to reduce water use. But um, as I look out of my window, it's not water I'm worried about. <laughs> Before I let you go, I need to share this wonderful SMS uh, uh, with you. You talked earlier on uh, about the, the sad story that Germany may be looking to cut 2,600 jobs. But an SMS comes in saying that, as Gavin mentioned, the German chemical company, BASF, those of us old enough to remember cassette tapes will remember that BASF was yeah. one of the main manufacturers in fact, the name was almost synonymous with cassettes in the same way that Hoover is synonymous with vacuum cleaners and Kodak with uh, cameras. That's from David. Yes, well, David is quite right. I, I, you know, I even think I might still have a BASF cassette somewhere around. It's funny, cassettes being about the one version of music listening that hasn't really come back. Do you know vinyl? Vinyl records back, are incredibly yeah. popular back here. Ah. Gav, thank you so very much yep. for joining us on yep. the show today. Have a wonderful day further. Gavin Gray, uh, giving you the latest coming from the UK and abroad.